Attention, please. Attention, please. This feel like the whole entire world collapse. Thank you so much, uh, Gloria, for joining us. Shall I call you Gloria? Karibu. So I guess uh, maybe where where we where I'd like to start is your very beginning before all these activism BBI. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I want us to go back to State House Primary School. State House <laughs> Primary School. Wow. Ah. <laughs> That's many 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 years ago. Actually I started in State House Nursery School. You kidding me? Yes. When State House Nursery School those days um you the school system was zoned. So if you lived in a certain area you could only go to certain schools mm-hmm. because they were um, they were using the system on um, ensuring that your the proximity of the students and the school is close enough that they could walk so we walked to school we walked to nursery school we walked to primary school uh, to some extent and then it was cool those days to take a matatu but that's that's the reason why I was in state house primary school and then um, uh, state house nursery and then state house primary um My dad was a civil servant and we were living in civil servant houses that were close to that school. Ah. Yeah, so and back then school was different. We were allowed to to be ourselves to some extent. There was a lot of outdoor activities. Um I have always been a big fan of public speaking so from primary school I was in public speaking. I was doing those debate things and I think that's where now my my passion started developing. Wow. Yeah. So something interesting that you've said that I didn't know <laughs> was that schools people used to go to school based on where you used to stay. Yeah. You know, um we can say a lot of things about uh, our former president Moi, mm. but uh the one thing that he got right was the education sector and yes. he he really um a lot of the initiatives and the policies that were put in place made sense so for instance that's zoning that's why you have provincial schools then you have you know the local schools and 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 trying to ensure that um um for instance i was in state house primary and at at a, there's a time we wanted to to transfer to nairobi primary because mm. they were both government schools but um it was difficult because you had to submit your name you had to give the location where you stay and the systems were really followed so because of that uh location where we stayed we 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 were on the side where you could not transfer to we were not allowed to go to Nairobi primary school mm-hmm. so we ended up uh, staying in state house primary but a lot of the things and initiatives that were being taken at that time um with the education sector they were meaningful so the locations um even the curriculum that was being used at that time it was meaningful and it, to some extent it was thought out uh end to end it was not just we are going to study degrees uh for whatever reasons uh you know I'm a tivet poster child mm-hmm. i i am a big fan of vocational uh and technical training um and i'm a product of the same so one of the other things that uh, moi did then was he really pushed on that tivet um uh sector. So, yeah, school for me then was very it was it was fun times. Uh, State House Nursery, State House Primary. I was there the other day for a meeting right opposite. We have a, a hotel there now, Radisson Blue, and mm-hmm. it was very awkward because that used to be the mayor's house. Oh. So, yeah, that that's that's where I started my my education. Interesting. Yeah. So you were you were this poking out 
kind of <laughs> child back then. Always. Always. I was suspended when I was in uh, class four. What? Yes. I was suspended and it's because um, we had a class teacher. No, no. We had a Kiswahili teacher. Mm-hmm. She was a bit elderly and some of the, the, the instructions she was giving, I questioned. And um, I remember there was one time we got an assignment and I questioned, why are we doing this assignment this way? Why can't you do it that way? And I was called to the front of the class and uh, and uh, she she caned me. Those days we were being caned. Mm. And she caned me. She was like, you shouldn't question me. You should just do the work that I'm supposed to do. So after she caned me, I took my Kiswahili book mm-hmm. and I tore it in front of the whole class and in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> In protest, yes, because I couldn't understand why can't you just explain to me why we are doing this assignment mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, apply myself. So I was suspended in class four. <laughs> so you are an activist. How did this? How did this um, sort of activism get into you? Like, I, I really like what don't inspired know. it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I th- I think I've just always been this person that um, I'm curious. So I'll question. I mean, you can't just get me to do things without uh, my understanding of why we are doing them and what is the output and mm. does it benefit this society. So, and you know, those days it was um, when an authoritative figure, whether it's your parents, whether it's whoever tells you, you know, jump up, you shouldn't ask why. Oh. So I think it started from this is in, you know, there was that thing of I should be able to know why I'm doing certain things. So, and you know, I see it more and more like it's a pattern of who I am. Um, it's, it's easy f- to get any kind of output from me once you get me to understand mm. the benefits of whatever it is we are doing. Uh, it's, it's more like that drives me. But if I'm doing something without the understanding of why we are doing it or, or what are the actual impacts of it, then mm. um, I'll question it. That's sure. all. So I think that's the, the point is, you know, questioning what it is is ex- that is expected of you and what impact it has and if you don't question then we are just like sheep yes we're just yeah. following we're just following we're just yeah. right left yeah and then. which is not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. it's just that at what point does it become harmful to the society where mm-hmm. we stop questioning yeah yeah i think i think that's quite fundamental because the foundation of even learning itself mm-hmm. is asking questions absolutely did you carry this personality to saint george's <laughs> <laughs> I imagine if you were suspended at class four. <laughs> I was suspended in class four, but um, I, at, at, in primary school when I was in my last year, class eight, I was actually the head girl. So I think um, at that time, our headmaster was a little bit proactive and mm. wanting to say, okay, you know, maybe this person has leadership capabilities and if we can channel that passion and energy of questioning things, mm-hmm. you know, the right direction. So, I mean, in high school, I was in St. George's Secondary School I would not say that I was that um, curious or, you know, the thing with high school is you 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 now get into a space where people are coming from a different place and there's that imposter syndrome of, mm. do I belong here? Because I was called, I actually got 525 marks that's out of, of uh, those days it was 700. Seven, wow. Yeah, out of that's, seven. That's really 700 good. 700 or 800, I can't remember. But I know that uh, anything above 500 was like, oh my gosh, you know. This is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, 
I performed really well and um, I'm fortunate because the schools that I picked, you know how when you select your schools, mm-hmm. I picked St. George's, I picked State House and I picked Pangani and I think another one and mm-hmm. I was actually selected to St. George's. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, um, I don't think, I, I had that imposter syndrome because you know St. George's was a very prestigious school provincial school and being uh, called to that you know receiving that a letter that says you have been you know you've gotten your admission at St. George's was really big Um, so when I went in I had a little bit of an imposter syndrome and it took maybe up to two years for me to to understand I belong here I worked for this I'm good enough so I mean I might have taken like a little bit of a back seat until from two from three Mm -hmm. yeah and then, uh, and then I came back to being myself. <laughs> <laughs> what triggered that? I'm, I'm Drama. curious. Drama club. Uh. Drama club, public speaking, because I did a lot of those solo verses. Um, I was also in the choir. The, the, we, we used to do those um, music festival things. Yeah, those were my spaces. Mm-hmm. That's that's what really now brought me back to who I was. To, yeah. the, the, to the person who mm. asks questions, mm. why are we doing this? To the person who asks <laughs> questions, to the person who, who speaks up for the other people who can't really, um, who shy off from speaking up. Mm-hmm. So it was very... And then I could see that I was... Uh, I, I became a bit more confident in, in the person that I should have been from yeah. Form 1. Yeah. But, you know, Form 1 is Form 1. You're yes. finding your way. Yeah. Mm. So I think for me, drama club, music festival, and, um, and you know, the social... The, 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 the people that I hung out with mm-hmm. when I was in high school mm-hmm. was... It was a trigger. It was a trigger. And it was one of those things. It was almost like the anchor that I always went back to in case I felt like oh. I wasn't sure about a lot of things. Yeah. That's quite interesting. So it's yeah. like it was like your safe space. It was my safe space. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Drama was my safe space because I could say all the things that I wanted to say and blame it on acting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the role that you're playing. Yes. <laughs> that, that's, so th- that that basically explains uh why you really took time to think of Sarakasi Dome and what it has become today. <laughs> oh, you know, you mentioned Sarakasi and I just felt like my heart is mellow. <laughs> Sarakasi Dome was my first big project as an architect. Mm. Yes. Um, I was, um, so when I finished, I, I, I did my, I, I graduated from, um, from four. I did very well, actually. I got a B minus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I decided I really wanted to study architecture, but I have, uh, we are four, we are four girls mm-hmm. and, uh, I have two elder sisters. So my dad was as a civil servant still struggling with you know our firstborn who's now an advocate and um he's the vice chair of the victim protection board so my dad was trying to figure out her education in makerere and then um we have a second born who was studying pharmacy at university of nairobi as a parallel student so that fees was also very hefty Mm -hmm. so by the time i left high school um the financial constraint was so much on my dad because we have a younger sister also who was in state house uh, high school and it was like um, I, I, he tried to push me to go to Kenya Polytechnic to study something in construction mm. because he could see I was passionate about that. But I really just had my eyes set on architecture and I just wanted to study architecture. So we went back and forth and he was like, you know, you have a B minus and um, you're definitely not going to get called in to the university as a regular student. Mm-hmm. And I can't afford another parallel student um, studying. So... 
there was a whole year where we were trying to figure out like okay so what now and then i ended up in um uh, nairobi institute of technology and um because i i was stuck i just wanted to study architecture so whatever my dad tried to get me to do i just went back i want to study architecture so nairobi institute of technology is um is, is, is a technical institution that has a Kenya National Examination Council uh, diploma in architecture, which actually takes three and a half years. It's long, mm. like it's an equivalent of a degree. Um, it was affordable. So, you know, I started my, my diploma in architecture. And then after I graduated from there, um, by that time I was already, I'm a very social person. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm easy to talk to, I, I network a lot. I really find value in, in, in making uh, friends and making um, connections. So by the time I was on my second year, I had uh, like my network was really growing. By the time we were being asked, you need to go and, and, and um, get internships on, on, on your last year of the diploma. Um, I had really, I had really good networks um, at the United Nations, so I got my internship at the United Nations. Uh, I hustled to get that internship, but I got it. Yeah, that's very <laughs> important to, to note. <laughs> I really knocked on doors and did all sorts of things, but I got it. And um, but it was also the same year that I was expecting our firstborn child. Mm -hmm. So I was 22 years old. I was so determined. I'm going to do my internship. I'm going to, you know, start my family. I'm going to, I had, you know, the way we have such drive. Yeah. Yes. So um, at the UN, uh, during my internship, um, a friend of my boss at that time mm. um, came to the department because I was at the building management and uh, transport unit. Um, at that time, they were they were building this um, new commissary at the United Nations, so like the entertainment and whatever mm -hmm. facility. Uh, and I was doing a lot of oversight on on that construction project. So my boss at that time had a friend who was um, the head in charge of conferences at the United Nations office of Nairobi. So I think they were doing a lap, and he said, "Oh, okay. And who is this person?" They said, "Oh, my name is Gloria." Da, da, da. And he could see the passion that I was um, really uh, at my work, you know, talking to the contractors, checking mm -hmm. my paperwork. We were trying to contract different um, uh, service providers. So I was going through the tender documents and all that stuff, and he could really see, like, "Oh my gosh, this lady is passionate." Mm -hmm. So um, and he and this is the funny thing because you would think at 22 and you're pregnant and mm -hmm. you're working and I had my helmet and everything that somebody would not see that potential and but he did and he was like you know um, I have this organization that I sit in the board and um, we've just bought a building that's supposed to be brought down but I believe it has potential would you be interested in heading that project in refurbishing it so I didn't know what building it was and I was like definitely yes you know more work <laughs> more money more good things <laughs> so i jumped on it i said yes 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 send me everything blah blah blah, without seeing the building wow and then in like a week and a half um on the weekend he said you know we need to go and walk at the building so we went to ngara mm -hmm. and that time they hadn't done the roads and everything and uh, when we went to ngara i looked at this building <laughs> We couldn't go in because it was full of garbage. So we couldn't open the doors because for many years it had been used as a, like a garbage disposal and uh, there was all sorts of things. It was used for the flying toilets. It was just 
a mess. Mm. We could open the doors to go in. We could so I literally was like, "Oh my goodness, why did I take <laughs> up this project?" <laughs> it was a shocker. Yeah. But um after I mean, I you know, the thing with me is I'm like, "Okay, this is a challenge." You know, crap, I didn't anticipate it, but now we're here. I mm. never I I am I rarely ever take uh like uh, oh no 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 I don't want this. I read mm-hmm. once I commit I'm committed. Huh? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I committed, you know, <laughs> we've come this far. So we started rallying the troops, just cleaning out the building, just because we couldn't renovate it unless we could be able to go in and see what's left of it. For sure. So we took out trucks and trucks and trucks of of garbage. garbage. Um, I highly suspect there were like two or three bodies. <laughs> I mean, at one point I was like, I'm pretty sure that is a piece of something. And um, it, it took at least three weeks for us to be able, we were able now to see the floor. Three weeks. Yeah. And we worked a lot with the youth because I, I, I wanted, it was like, for me, it was an opportunity to create jobs for the youth. So, you know, we were using some of those acrobats, nini, nini. So, we called them in. We were like, listen, it's, it's not the best work, but once we are done with this part, we're going to have better work. I was part of the, the guys uh, just, you know, carrying the trash yes. bags, mm-hmm. you know. We, we, we were all in. We, mm. we, were, we got our hands dirty. Um, and then once we were able, it's, it's funny because the building looked completely, if you search the images of Shan cinema, cause it used to be called Shan cinema. Mm. Um, it was completely run down, but I could tell from the outside when we looked at, you know, from an architectural perspective that it was a beautiful building. So that was what was driving me to, to, to get to the point where we could go in and see the whole floor mm-hmm. and then start looking at what are the changes we could make. But it was such an interesting project that was my first real um uh experience working directly with the youth working directly with with um you could see these are like skillful people but they never really got an opportunity to pursue anything Mm, you know mm. most of them once we got done with the cleaning and we 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 started painting or doing other things most of them this was like uh, uh they were learning on the job and you could see how excited they were, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, with certain things, we had to now go and contract um, professionals, like, you know, the electrical works. Mm. Um, we had to redo a lot of plumbing works. Um, um, the acoustics, we actually got an engineer coming out from, uh, um, I think he came from the Netherlands, came in, did some acoustics. But the, the thing was, those days when we would bring expertise from outside, we always used to like uh, bring in our local uh, youth experts yeah. and then we'd sort of encourage them, you know, learn something from Ask you. questions. Yeah, ask questions. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't just like we are outsourcing all the work to expatriates. You know, we were mm. like bringing one expertise in and ensuring that by the time he left, you know, we didn't need to, to keep bringing him to do for us acoustics and stuff like that. So it was, it was a nice, my gosh, I loved that project so much. So, so I can much. see it in your eyes, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And then we finished with the renovation and by that time again I had really I had a good relationship with uh, with that organ with Sarakasi and the and the the board and the the, the director mm. and the senior management. So they just they asked me to stay on. So I stayed on. Um so you can say that was my first real 
employment job mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was a program officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, at that point, as a program officer, I just jumped on any project that was there. What are we doing? We are creating um, troops that are going to, I don't know where. Okay, I can help with this. I can do the paperwork. I can do... I was just really, really hands-on. Hands-on. Like yeah. any challenge that comes. Any, I can tell you, any challenge that would be... It's. I was the person at the table like... Can I me 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 pick me pick me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Do do you? Uh, the reason I want to stop you there is uh, mm-hmm. and interject is: Do you see that in young people right now? Yeah. Like that aggressiveness, yes. that networking. Yes. Mm-hmm. I see it a lot. Maybe the difference is um, how they do it. Okay. But in terms of <clears throat> jumping on any opportunities. All the projects that I'm working with right now in, mm. in, in my official 8 to 5 job mm. and, you know, my side projects, I work with the youth because, you know, I mean, everything, my lawyer, my, mm-hmm. I, 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 I almost certainly, I cannot tell you of one person um, who's giving me any kind of services personally or in the organization that is mm-hmm. like above 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because Everyone is 35. Yeah, because what I like mm-hmm. about it is it, they, they, young people often, are, are eager to learn to experience and to offer their skills and it's almost as if you don't you don't need to push young people to to get anywhere it's very rare that that you employ a young person and then you find yourself um, pushing them to do something mm. often you'll actually find yourself micromanaging them which is not because you're trying to control them uh, okay yeah but I feel like f- to me I honestly I don't think I don't see a, a world where um, I would choose to work with anyone other than the youth. <laughs> <laughs> they're energetic. They're creative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They they can run. They can run. They can. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I look back when I was young, and you know, by the way, when we were doing that building, that Sarakasi dome, mm-hmm. um, I was uh, seven months, eight months pregnant, and I used to go up those ladders with my PP, with my yes. helmets. Um, direct the contractors, tell them what I want, um, you know, make sure my vision is being, um, you know, put to place. I mean, I was very, at eight months pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying like, to create <laughs> the events in my head. There were eight. a lot of talks, yeah. There were a lot of talks yeah, I can by, by people, you know, I mean, naysayers, and she's pregnant, blah. But I never really cared about it, to be honest. I really did not care about whether when I was going up the ladder, whether somebody would, you know, say an, an awful comment or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we were, we were in that building, we were creating um, the space, Ghetto Radio. Ghetto Radio actually used to be Saracassis. Yes. So, and Ghetto Radio was at the very top floor on, on, on one of the, the buildings on the side of Saracassi. And then it was nothing. We had to put up the walls. We had to put up, we created it from scratch. Wow. And I was so passionate about creating those kind of spaces. So mm-hmm. there was no way you're going to tell me uh, you're pregnant. You can't go up to that floor. I I, I put on my protective wear and I yes, went up to that floor. Up. Yeah. Oh, that's that's quite and and also being a woman in a male-dominated and of which I'll want you to talk about it uh-huh. how it was. Uh-huh. But before that, uh, you said something about when you after form four after Saint G. Yeah. You had to take a gap year. You had to you know there yeah. was no school fees. Yeah. Like. How did that personally like how did that make you feel? You know th- that time I was so upset with my dad eh? Yeah. Because I c- I kept on thinking, you know, um is it that I'm not worthy of being, you know, let's hurry up and let's not waste time. I was so upset with him and now actually in general I was upset with everyone. <laughs> like 
<laughs> and also being a middle-born child, I was just upset, generally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now looking back, you know, that one year, that one year where I really wasn't <clears throat> doing anything, now when I look back, mm. that's when I did the most of the things that I needed to do. Because wow. it was the year that I really figured out my personality. It was the year that I exhausted going out, partying, drinking. Mm. <laughs> I got it out of my system. <laughs> it was the year that I, I, I started um, developing a passion on, on certain things that I even do today. Mm -hmm. It was the year that I, um, I learned how to drive. I mean, you know, we, we, we take it like, oh, I wasted time. No, I, it was the year that I actually uh, realized I'm good at networking and, and this can be a strength because mm -hmm. really I was hanging out a lot. I was accepting all the invitations to go anywhere and everywhere. And it exposed me to so many uh, groups of mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at that time it felt so wasted that by the time I was going into my first year, I was just like, oh, I've wasted a whole year. But then, in my early 30s, I'm really like, that was a year well spent. It's because of that year that I, I'm not excited about drinking. I'm not excited about yes. going to the club. I did all that stuff. It's finished. Mm -hmm. That's important. <laughs> That's actually very valuable. Yeah. So, and I, and, and I see what has happened to some of the people who went to school who immediately after school, they went directly into 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 uh, university and immediately after university their parents made sure that they went into that you know management training mm. program in banking and immediately when they were doing that you know it was like it was planned the perfect life they got married mm. and they got their kids and then now they have kids my son's age i have my son is 13. Mm. they have kids uh, my son's age uh and sometimes i look at them i'm like are you trying to compensate for that one year you should have been out drinking you should have been out partying yeah. <laughs> it's almost as if they're trying to catch up with that life that they should have already done at done. that time yeah so so it's like a phase that they sort of skipped exploring who they mm. really were mm. okay <laughs> <laughs> your story is very fascinating i mean so you went to study diploma mm -hmm. how did you you were doing a job at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Why was this? Uh, you, what was it again? The, the job you were doing. At? I so I, I no I did my internship mm. and um, at the UN and I still had to sit my exams. But at that point, when I finished my internship, I still continued working at Sarakasi on okay. this project. Okay. Yeah. So I did my exams um, for my final year while I was working at the project at Sarakasi. Uh, at Sarakasi. Yeah, but uh -huh. I also worked because um, at one point uh, I got tired of staying at my parents' house because mm. I thought I knew everything. So I left my dad's house and so I had to put up somewhere. So I think that was second year. So I went to the... Uh, at uh, Nairobi Institute of Technology, they have a... Um, they used to have a what do you call like a, a student housing mm. so i took up a, a room at the student student housing and uh, i had to pay for my room and you know my dad has this policy if you don't live in my house then you don't get nothing from me wow. so at second year um he didn't he said you know until you come back home i'm not going to pay your your college fee 
So at my second year, I, w- I decided I can't quit school because I really loved architecture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also was like, I can't live with my dad because he doesn't allow me to be who I am, you know. So, you know, I was headstrong on I must be who I am. And at the same time, I still have to finish this. So I had to make it work. So um, I, at that time, uh, I had a, a friend. I can't remember where I met her. But... Um, she introduced me to a call center called Ken Call. And uh, because, you know, I was like, hey, I need money. I need to pay my school fees and I need to pay my student housing and, you know, life must go on. So she said, you know, yeah, ask guys, uh, me, I work at the call center part time, blah, blah, blah. So I went for my interview at Ken Call and mm-hmm. I got the job. Wow. Yeah. We were doing, uh, so I was doing night shift. I was doing, um, we had an account at that time that uh it was actually very funny because we were doing online sales but then mm-hmm. we were also you know in the u.s they have these um people who send uh messages like uh on it's a text service so they will text um like their what do they call psychics mm. and they would say you know so my my, my name was jasmine <laughs> uh. yeah in my job okay so they my text service uh, inbox was jasmine so and i had clients and they would send you like hey jasmine i'm feeling a certain way you know um how do you think my day is going to look like what should i do blah blah, blah. Mm. it is it was like a, a therapeutic it was like a pen pal but they had scaled it up and and your work really was to to reply to those messages give them positive uh, um vibes you know tell them you know you're gonna be okay you know these things that it was it was like it was like informal therapy mm. <laughs> and you know um it's good when you're young because you know later i thought about it i was like but that was fraud that was big time fraud <laughs> but yeah. that business whichever that business was had had discovered a market and the market was a lot of depressed americans and all they needed was a text message to to keep their spirits up and and make sure that they don't commit suicide and then somewhere in africa there were a lot of young people who are good at you know keyboard warriors <laughs> <laughs> so it started kitambo. <laughs> yeah. So you know, me when I was recruited, I was told we are going to um, sell some products because they had so many accounts. You know, they mm. had an account for selling electrical equipment. They were also handling like uh, customer care accounts for for um, call uh, call centers such as uh, Kencel, which is now Airtel. They had many different accounts, and then this account was new, and they were just looking for creative minds. So apparently I couldn't fit in the selling electronic accounts uh, <laughs> and I couldn't fit in the, in the customer care um, of, cancel. Calls, uh, of cancel and I and there was like three other accounts but now this new account they had a problem because not many people could understand on how to mm. to be a good conversationalist and just give positive vibes and mm. and then here I was so when I did my interview and I was being asked you know how friendly are you and how would you respond to this and that and whatever and I and I and I nailed it so they thought, okay, you you go to this new account. Uh-huh. So that's what paid my 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 college college fees. Yeah, from second year. Yeah, and basically funded your life. Yeah, and time. and I can tell you, I used to do my night shift. We would be driven back at two a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go directly to the club, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have like two hours of partying, uh-huh. and then I would go to my room at four. And then I would do like a power nap until 7.15. And then I would wake up and cross over to the, because it was really just a walking distance, cross uh-huh. over to uh, the college. 
and sit for my classes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to get my head around. But you can only do that when you're 20 something because yeah. if you ask me to do that now, I don't you think can't. I can do it. Uh-huh. And then I had times <clears throat> when I would sleep and in my sleep I would dream of my clients, my clients being all these messages of all these people because you would be operating about up to 40. 40 different people. Yeah, 40 40 different people, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. but they're repetitive. So at one point you start knowing them. Because oh, today they'll be like, oh, you know, my grandma, blah, blah, and she does Americans. Mm, and mm. The, so, and then tomorrow, and the thing is, for every SMS that they would send, they were charged, I think it was like um, maybe 300 shillings. Mm. And for every reply that they got, they were charged another maybe 500 shillings. So your job was to make sure they respond. They keep replying. You cannot close down the conversation because every reply is where the money comes from. And we were being paid on commission. So the money you make from your clients, you know, and it's basically like, it's, it's like how I later on, I was like, this is like, I was being paid to be a pen pal. I was a pen pal yeah. to, to 40 plus people. And, and, and they could tell when you switched, like, if I was like at one point, um, one of our colleagues died. Actually, she had uh, she got sick and she died, and we had to take her accounts. You could tell that those clients knew that they were not talking to the same person. Mm. Yeah, and so it was very important for 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 us to keep the conversation as similar as possible. So, I mean, it was it was create to me. I, I thought it was creative writing. It you was know? <laughs> like I mean, think of keeping someone conversing with you on text. Yeah. On text and we didn't have emojis those days <laughs> really we didn't have emojis there was no for sending emojis of love and yeah. things like that no 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 you had to use your language you had, you had to, to describe you had to describe you had to you had to uh, you know paint a picture of a positive future with your words constantly every day <laughs> and if they dropped you would be asked how come you've dropped your clients you had 50 something clients mm. now your clients are dropping this one has been inactive for so long but when i look at what facebook is doing we can talk about that later because yeah. i also worked at facebook mm-hmm. when i looked at w- what facebook is doing now it's the same thing they just want to keep you they want to keep you there they were yesterday i watched this documentary on uh, netflix you know i, I think it's called uh, is it no, it's, yeah it's a documentary about how the social media mm. has really um it's controlled us we're like robots yes because you know you want to check who has liked my picture who was you're constantly going back there for something mm. this what we were doing at kenko i i believe was was like an analog version of, of facebook. facebook yeah i believe you're talking about social dilemma yeah social dilemma yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's basically it's it's the same model it's just same model facebook did it at scale they scaled it up Wow. So and, and, and they made it easier to scale it up by adding emojis, <clears throat> by adding songs, by adding things that are touching on your emotions. Because the thing that we were doing then was that you had to touch on somebody's emotions. Because if mm. they're coming to you and they're very depressed, you have to figure out how to get them out of that mood and how to get them positive yeah. so that they can come back again to you for more. With your words. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. Um, do you remember one message or, or one of the comments? I remember many. Those things still haunt me. <laughs> wow. Because I did it for like uh, a year. A year and a half. Two years. I don't know. Yeah. What's, what's one, just one client who you can remember the conversation and you're like... I remember this lady that was very... Um, <clears throat> to me, it just seemed like she had many friends, but she was very lonely. 
So, and she had a grandmother. And there was no conversation that did not touch on, you know, and my grandmother, blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because sometimes she would come and she's happy, but she just wants to talk. So, you know, most of the other clients were depressed. I want to kill myself, blah, 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 all those things. And then you try and bring positivity and, 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 and shine the light on them. This one was happy, but she was just lonely. So she would, you know, type me up. Hey, Jasmine. How? She would ask me questions. She'd be like, how's your day? <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I have four hours of this before I hit the club, then go to class tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't say that. <laughs> but I can't say that. I'll be like, my day is pretty much okay. How was yours? Because the purpose was to always bring back the conversation mm-hmm. to the person. Mm. Yeah, but she used to ask me a lot of things. And you know, um, one of the trainings that we took is you can't reveal so much about yourself because at one point that account has has to be handed over to another person. So it almost has to be like a generic person. Something like a robot. Yeah, you can't you can't keep saying, you know, like, oh, you know, and my husband and what, what, because then when the next person comes and they're single, they don't mm. know how to continue that, you know, engagement. Yeah. 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 That's 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 pretty, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I did that. I mean, I can remember at one point I, I was I was having dreams of all these clients. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it paid. It paid. It it sustained my life at that time, and it paid for my college. I mean, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess the why the why for you doing it is really. That's absolutely why I always ask. Why am I doing this? Where is the impact? So once I understand, hey, I'm doing this, I need to pay my college. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this because that, that, that. Then my, I already have a drive, but my drive can be sustained. But if, um, for instance, there were days that I didn't want to go, um, like I was exhausted because I either drank too much mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Or, 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 or I went partying and then we had a long day and then I had assignments, you know. And I didn't want to go for the night shift. And I, I was always thinking, oh, let me just send um, a message to my supervisor. But then when I looked at my bank account, uh, I'm like, no, I can't afford to do that. I have to go to work. That's impressive. Mm. So you had to do it to finance your college fees. I had to do it to finance a substantial part of my college fees. Yes. Yeah. And, and now you've graduated, you have your diploma, you're getting into a field that is male dominated. How was it like for you as a woman? Ah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I, I didn't. I didn't feel uh, intimidated. And then I think you know my my classmates didn't see me as a woman. <laughs> that is not a good thing. I was like one of the boys. Okay. So I don't think I had that feeling of oh my goodness, I'm the only woman here. Um, and then when we went out to the field, um, I don't know. I think maybe my personality just made me blend in and i don't know if that's a good thing because that's to say that that i have a very uh male like personality but i f- i didn't feel that i'm the only woman you know mm-hmm. um and at that those days actually we didn't have like in my class um we were only two we were only two, two ladies yeah of what, what is the that? whole class and we were maybe 14 okay. or 15 i think yeah so I, I never I actually never felt at any point where, oh my goodness, I'm the only person. I'm the only woman in this. Even when I went to now do the project um, at Sarakasi, now when I was actually in the field, um, I didn't, I don't, I, or, or maybe, I, maybe there were instances, but I really can't recall. I, the only thing that I recall is that um, I, I, I felt more of a young person than I felt 
more of a woman. The discrimination was the fact that I was young. It was mm. not the fact that I was a girl. Yeah. That's that's quite something because you'll imagine that uh, during th- that's early 2000. Yeah, no, that's, that's 2007, 2008, 2009. Mm. Yeah. So young people were discriminated back then. Yeah. Yeah, the issue actually when we walked into any site was you know, who's this young person? And and maybe later it was then she's a woman, but mm. I don't mostly I felt like why can't you believe that? I can, I you can know, do, I, I can, can do deliver. this. Yeah. It was mostly the age thing. Yeah. And I always fought that and maybe that's what really pushed me to now, you know, be a youth advocate because I always fought against don't look at my age, don't look at you need to look at my capabilities, mm, you know. Yeah. Of course there's the issue of experience, um but you know in in every field there are certain things that are can be given to anybody who's skillful and then there are certain things that you not only do you have to be skillful, you have to have some some level of experience. But as a young person it was just like we don't even care if you have the skill, like why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> so your value was based on how old you are. Absolutely. And in that industry, you see for instance the Architectural Association of Kenya, mm. AAK. Mm. Um those days by the way, they used to make sure that the young graduates uh, don't get um certified. So you know you could have graduated and everything, but in order for you to be acknowledged by that uh, Association of Kenya, they made it so difficult because then they are the ones who uh, remain licensed they are the ones who remain, so they oh. sort of control the industry so you can open your your practice and everything but you still have to go and commission um one of the senior uh, architects to give you know so that you can practice under their license so they it's it's discrimination against the youth but it's actually institutionalized it's like formal it's formal And that that really got me pissed off um in that level of my career that I I that's actually how I got myself out of architecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like I could stay here for 15 to 20 years and these guys are never going to completely embrace me, license me and all these things that I need in order for me to take on projects as under my own um umbrella under my own uh, um you know establishment. I'll still be dependent completely on these senior uh, architects because one they realized um you know it was architect architecture has been digitized. Mm-hmm. So at that time we were doing all these uh, digital drawings and everything and they couldn't do that. So they used to hire graduates who are capable who are young who could do all the digitized uh, drawings and uh, all that stuff but then they would make sure those people don't get licensed because the only thing that those people are missing to practice um independently was the licenses from the um Association of Kenya and then um if they get got those ones so then you know your your whole practice as a senior member who does not know how to you know use all those online and digital tools mm-hmm. you become redundant so they created this dependency thing and i remember i i those kind of things used to really bother me so i slowly it it was not defeat but it was like you know what um i have my architecture i can practice um or at least i can i can i, I can i could practice as a technician which is different mm-hmm. as practicing as as a licensed and certified architect um of course it pays less and you still have to rely on a licensed and certified firm So mm. when I did the math I said okay you know I I don't have to create a career over something I'm passionate about I mean it would have been nice if those doors were open but 
you know that it, it was what it was so um i started finding other ways to explore all my other skills mm. and that's actually how i really slowly started opening my mind to i don't just have to build my life around architecture yeah that's like right now i i i feel like you've said something that a lot of young people share yeah and struggle with because mm-hmm. basically the incumbent don't want to move exactly they don't want to retire and even if they don't have to retire <clears throat> they don't want to to give uh, uh, a hand up they don't want to mentor mm. you know they 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 have this fake mentorship where really they're just using you and and calling it mentorship it's it's like calling it internship you've been interning for a year plus you've not been paid they're still calling you an intern and yet you're the person holding the major projects of that farm you know so to me it wasn't working out and 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 I always have this policy um if 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 you don't like it you change it if you can't change it you find a way around it if you can't find a way around it you go and create something else that's going to basically come and replace yeah. it yeah yeah so i was like i can't change this I'm, i'm i don't have the capability i don't have the influence um and then i tried to find my way around it because i tried to work with licensed and certified uh, farms but then i would bring them projects and they wouldn't pay me nothing and we started fighting over getting paid because i'm good at at, at presenting that idea I, i i was good at um, all these architectural drawings i'm still good at um um you know convincing you on the on what we can offer my presentation skills are a a a <laughs> so i would do all of that i would bring in the work And then once the work was signed in, we would we would start fighting over over my commission, compensation. And compensation. Um so I, that's how I was trying to find my way around it mm. and I realized okay, I can't find you see, I can't change it now. I don't like it. I can't change it. I can't find my way around it. So I said I'm going to do something that's going to replace this and, and have like a larger impact. <laughs> yeah, I was like in fact, this battle is too small. The war is bigger. So we must look for many other battles so that we can change this thing. <laughs> Glory in the interest of time. Yes. <laughs> I want to thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming and I'd like to request you mm-hmm. another time mm-hmm. when there's when we'll have plenty of time because mm-hmm. then we can again start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> we can pick up from what next, you know? global youth parliament yes. going to politics advocacy and all that stuff yes yeah i'd love to, i'd love to continue this conversation but i know you have to run i have to run yes yeah thank you so much asante sana <laughs>